Welcome back to the Young Sound Bangor Football Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Guardo. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, former defensive lineman Kyle Searle, former director of football operations, Dan Cobb, and the recent new Hall of Famer, Kurt Hess, who had a great ceremony about a week or two ago that we were all able to attend. Curdy, we appreciate the shout-outs, even though I think you listed off half the roster, but we still appreciate it. Uh, moving on, there's been a lot that's happened between now and the last time we uh, recorded, and we have a bunch of guests with us today as well. So we're going to go straight through it. Um, first, of course, you can follow us on Y-Town Penguin Podcast on Instagram, that Kurt Myrters. We are live on YouTube live tonight. That Cyril is monitoring the chat. Please follow, uh, give us a like, give us a comment, share with anyone you may see or know. Uh, anyway, diving right into it, we're going to go to Kurt because a lot of Youngstown coaches out there have been doing great things and are a part of the coaching carousel that seems completely nuts recently. Curdy. Yeah, to uh, start out, you got to give a massive shout out to Donald Delisio, safeties coach with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I tell Donald all the time, being a Bengals fan, it's always bittersweet for me to see them have so much success. But the silver lining with the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes winning uh, another Super Bowl title is Donald gets an opportunity to get another ring. So congratulations to Coach Delisio. Um, Coach Wolf heading from Kentucky back to Alabama, back to Kentucky in a little controversial move, some might say. Uh, Coach Wolf has landed back at Kentucky, and then our most recent guest, uh, our offensive coordinator while we were there, quarterbacks coach, Coach Montgomery, uh, got the offensive coordinator job at UMass, um, which recently, from a social media perspective, I saw, I, we could save this for another time, but it sounds like the UMass rivalry with the University of Connecticut might be the worst rivalry of all time. So giving Shane a little bit of crap there. But good luck this year, Coach Montgomery, offensive coordinator at UMass. I know that they play at Georgia. Yes, and as y'all saw, UMass is now joining the MAC after this fall. So UMass to the MAC 2025, which is familiar territory for Shane. So congrats to him. Uh, speaking of coaching carousels, the Penguins of Youngstown State have had a little bit of turnover ourselves. Uh, flip it over to to Dan Kopp for an update on on who's leaving, who's new faces that we're going to see this fall. Yeah, thanks, Sal. Um, probably most of our listeners know Jamal Brown, our D.C., left for Mercer. I'm kind of a little surprised by that move, but uh, they promoted within John Hanline, who was the assistant D.C. coach and linebackers, uh, is now the new D.C. We also lost Evan Harvey, who was our special teams coordinator, did a really good job. He ended up at Mississippi State. Can't fault him there, uh, making a jump up. And I think we're still waiting. I have not heard anything official on a, who's taking that special uh, teams job. You know, I'd, I'd be interested to see if maybe someone within the conference ends up with us. Uh, but uh, that's kind of what's going on in the staff. And I, I don't know if we mentioned Carm Brasillo. We had Carm on the show who was with the Raiders when he was on the show. He's now with the Giants. So mm -hmm. shout out to Coach Carm. He's now with uh, the New York football giants. So uh, that's a little quick update on the coaching staff, Sal. Thank you. Uh, I, as I mentioned, we have a few guests here, and we're going to transition to two of our three guests on today. But uh, these two guys coming from the equipment room, uh, the I'm glad they're on because a lot of 
former players all have a connection with him. And if they don't, they have a connection with Carm, which they have a very deep connection to. So uh, they're definitely a, a complete different department that's huge to the success. Um, but I'm going to transition so Cyril could give him a proper introduction here. Yeah. No. Thanks, Sal. Normally, this is a family-friendly show. I'm just going to warn everyone that's listening or watching now on YouTube. This this can go any of which three directions, all right? So just if you have children staying up late at night, just put them to bed now. But uh, we got Living Legends, their first team all-conference, four years running in the equipment room. Uh, they're following in the footsteps of the late, great Carm Cassis, like Sal said. Uh, they are loving, caring, and very generous. They are Tim Gallo and Alvy Armstrong. What's up? Hey, how are you doing? Doing good. Yeah, Timmy, Alvy, we'll, we'll give it to, to you guys real quick. Just tell us basically, because I really never knew this myself, how y'all ended up at YSU, I guess the road that brought you there, how long have you been with YSU, and, and what's life like uh, like now for y'all? Um, well, I've been at YSU for almost 22 years. Um, I actually replaced Alvy. Uh, when Alvy was the assistant there, he was leaving to go to Southern. Um, I worked at John Carroll Division Three school up by Cleveland. And I had a lot of student workers who were from, you know, the, the area from Mooning, from Ursuline. And uh, I kind of found out about Alvy's departure and then looking for somebody. And I applied and uh, the rest is history, I guess. Best decision uh, you ever made, right, Tim? Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I would have never met you. Exactly what I was fishing for. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I I mean, outside of outside of YSU, I mean, YSU's been a big part of my life for the last twenty some years. And you know, before Alvy came back, it was you know I, I took care of all the sports and um, didn't have much of an outside life. I got married about five years ago, um, so I mean, my biggest thing is spending the most time I can with with my wife, and uh, that's about it. Sounds good, Tim. Thanks, Alvy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I started as a student manager in 1990, um, obviously under CARM. Um, we had another student along that time. His name was Dan Kopp. Really didn't like the guy, but whatever. So <laughs> I was there. I graduated, eventually graduated, drove, enough, drove, around, drove around the university enough, gave them enough money, and they finally decided to give me a a diploma said I graduated. I didn't feel any smarter. I still don't. Probably not. That's probably because I'm still there. But uh, became the Carm's assistant. And then uh, after the 2001 season, I had an opportunity to become the head equipment manager of Southern Illinois. Went there, was there for seven years, went to Northern Illinois for three years. And then, uh, you know, Carm we've all stayed in touch and he said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to retire. Do you want to come back? And so give me the opportunity. I came back and, um, yeah, I came back in April of 12 and been here since. And like I said, I take care of, I take care of football now pretty much primarily. And, uh, Tim does the rest of it. So 
we just roll along and keep going on, wait till when next season happens. Outside of YSU, you know, I married, I, I met my bride in Southern Illinois. We got married in 2011. Um, you know, it, uh, I have, I, I go to auctions in, in the weekends now that I have weekends free during the off season and do little antique mall things and things like that to keep my hobby and, you know, just getting ready to pass, uh, you know, I'm, I'm closer to the end and beginning like Tim. So getting ready to transition to the um, sunset. Nice. Well, wait until I get some more gear before you, before y'all take off. <laughs> right. No chance. <laughs> It's a nice top, by the way, Kurt. Daryl <laughs> got his one made for me. He's still waiting on that sweater. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Really yeah, I had that made. It's not really a question, but just uh, if y'all can, because I was kind of cell shocked. I remember my freshman year seeing all the prep that goes behind road trips and uh, driving there and everything to go and, and not the – uh, I guess bore with detail to detail, but I guess give the listeners an appreciation for all that y'all do for a road trip game and what goes behind it uh, to set up for it and when y'all do it and when you start. Well, we start, we start really when, as the season gets started, as the season approaches, we start getting ready to make the, to make road trips uh obviously this year we open up at villanova where we just finished up at so this is a unique situation so but um uh you know as camp winds down we start going into game mode and things like that um you know uh now we have a semi uh you know we, we you know pi and i trucking made that available to us and we can't help we can't thank them enough um they split a driver jw great guy he uh, shows up when we need to, takes takes the semi to where we need to, and puts it in some tight spots and brings it on home. Uh, makes my life a lot easier. Uh, so, but we we'll start we'll start packing trunks during camp initially, but then you know as, as the game weeks go on. Normally, once we get to a game week and the season gets going, we got a, we got a couple back to back road trips this year. And so we probably won't even pack the truck too much, but um, typically we'll just start packing in the room and things get all the trunks packed and updated. And then um, Thursday, you know, anymore it's a lot easier since we practice in the morning because they'll get off the field Thursday morning. And we're done with everything, so we can start packing right then and there. Um, you know, we'll start off. We'll probably we're probably close now to I don't know. Probably five, five, five tons or so of stuff with all our trucks, with all our trunks, with all the trainers' trunks and all the stuff we take on the road with us. It's probably about five tons of stuff now, which you know, it's nothing for us, nothing for the semi, but it's a, uh, it's a uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good to load up, especially after a game. Usually we we are in and out about an hour after the game ends. We are the truck is packed and ready to go back on the road, but it you know just you know we. Set it up, put put everything in there. Players pack their bags after a Thursday practice. We'll go through them, check them as we get them on the on the truck. Um, you know, it's it's 
Then we uh, get to the stadium, depending on the situation. We try to unload on Friday night if we can. Sometimes there might be a high school game at the stadium or some, something else. You know, depending on where we go, that we cancel on Friday. But hopefully we can set up Friday. Then we'll go out to dinner and get to the hotel. Get the hotel around back to the hotel around ten o'clock at night and go to bed and wake up and get to the stadium six hours before the game before the kickoff. Um, you know, as you know, we'll, we'll put you know unpack the players' bags, hang them to the helmet, hang up the jerseys, put the jerseys on the shoulder pads. You know, it's all pretty typical stuff anymore in college football, and then wait for the team to arrive. Um, uh, yeah, that's about it then. In a nutshell, I mean, it's uh. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's really more fun to watch after the game when you're trying to get everything in there and trying to get out of there, and especially if they make a plane play. All <laughs> right, and for the listeners, when the team shows up on the road and they show up on Saturday for the game, it really feels like you're walking into your home locker because everything's already segmented, laid out, ready to go with your name tagged. So uh, they, they do a lot when they, when they prep for it, uh, Curdy. Yeah, so uh, Tim and Alvy, I mean, kind of a two-part question. Um, but being a quarterback, I spent a lot of times just hanging out on the sideline with some of your student equipment managers. Um, who are some of your favorite equipment managers? And, you know, what are you guys looking for in a student assistant? I mean, back when I was doing uh, – when I was taking – you know, doing football um, – you know, it's kind of funny you bring that question up because he actually stopped in today. We had a student manager by the name of E.J. O'Neill, and uh, he was he was he was a good one. I mean, they're all I mean they're not all good, but most of them are good. I mean, it's not rocket science that that we do. You know, um, you just have to be have to have common sense. You have to you know actually like working in sports you have to be personable because you're dealing with kids your own age you're dealing with you know men and women that are older than you as coaches and administrators um so you have to be personable you have to be respectful um but st- basically someone who has common sense and, and being able to to solve a problem if if Alvy and I aren't around um but EJ sticks out um Obviously, Quinn Puskar, who did started out at football and then transitioned over to the Olympic sports with me. Um, but we've had we've had many. I mean, practices practices are a lot different from the time that times that I I did it because we were able to get through a practice with maybe one or two managers. Now you can't do that. You you have to have you know almost ten ten people out there to run practice. So it's it's a little different now, but Alvin. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously we've had uh, Tim's right. I mean, you for the most part, most of our kids are pretty good anymore. I mean, you, to be in there, you know, we can usually weed out some. Usually, they'll weed themselves out pretty quick. Uh, you know, it, it's long hours. You don't get paid for all of them, and and it's it's you know it's a minimum wage job. It is what it is. But if you enjoy being around sports and, and just having a chance to it's a and you know all most of you know that it's a it's a pretty loose atmosphere in the equipment room so it's you can't say that about all workplaces and most of the kids figure that out really once they leave it's like geez we had a pretty good one we work here and we try to make it that way um you know 
I've shoot, I've been around for, you know, I've had a lot of good students here and in other schools I've been at, and um, you know, and we hit, you know, starting back, you know, we when I first started out, you know, Doug Chandler was was in charge of, he was the head student basically when I started out, and we had Dave Stoops and you know and you know, Dan came along there and we had Tony Montana and and um cheese and then jimmy mclaughlin who's now with the browns has been with the browns for 20 plus years um you know i had some good kids we had some good kids there uh roger uh you know it's and of course like then he came back and tim had a good group with you know dan doherty who still thinks he's our friend but we try to blow him off because he's not really our friend but we have to make make him feel good sometimes <laughs> I, then, I forgot uh, about doc i forgot about doc Wow, I was going to mention him if you two forgot about him. Yeah, I forgot. I, sorry, Dan. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> I, I try to forget about him, too. Every now and then he texts me trying to be my friend. I try to blow him off, but he's sad. We, we, we like to pat him, pat him on the head, make him feel good, and we'll send him on his way. You know, and, and the current kids I got now with Joe Scott, who's a great grandson, with Chubby Scott, who was the original equipment manager at YSU. Um, you know, we had the D'Antonio family. We've had three. Got we're on our third D'Antonio, and um, we've had two Christies. And, and Tim's had two Christie sisters uh, working for him. So I mean, you know, it, it, it you know, it could go on and on. Uh, Pax and Rumbus. Um, you know, there's there's just a slew of kids. I'm I'm forgetting some, and they'll I'll get called out on it later on text. But um, you know, for those that stick around one or two years or three years or even four years, you know, they they it's good to work with them. They figure it out. And like, you know, Tim mentioned Quinn and, you know, it's, you know, we got, we got, you know, Ed, Ed right now and, and Zach and, and Joe, and the, those are my main three. And we got Cassie and um, Nick also. So we got, we were in practice with five people and my GA, um, Dan. And uh, so it's, we have seven people in the field now and it's, it's, it's humping. I mean, cause you need one person on the clock. In the fall, you'll need two people. You only need four people on chains, and you have to have at least two people spotting the ball. So, it's uh, you know, I'd love to get ten to twelve people on the field, but uh, it's hard to find people to work. As anybody in in the world knows, it's you know, just showing up every day is a task for some people. Yeah, no doubt. And and Tim, I appreciate you with with the EJ shout out because. I remember Wolf's first year, EJ had to spot that thing for two-minute drill at the end of practice, and this dude was hauling. He was probably faster than any of the other players out there going from right hash to right center to left hash. And then I think it was Anthony who came after him. Did we call him righty? Was it righty? Remember Anthony? Anthony. Anthony was his first name. No, that was righty or was it righty or middle? case, man. (laughs) I forget what his last name was. I don't remember. But EJ, EJ, he, he had it down, man. He had it down. So, all yeah. right. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Go ahead, Coach. Yeah. Um, first question for Alvy, and, you know, you mentioned it earlier on the show, and probably a lot of people don't know this, that, that you were at Southern Hill uh, for as long as you were. And we talk about the Valley on this show, about other teams and schools in this conference. So, you worked for a guy who was a heck of a coach, Jerry Kill. So I think if you could tell us just, you know, uh, quickly a little bit about Southern and your time there, because when you were there, if I'm 
right, and you guys remember, Southern Hill was kind of the team. The Dakotas hadn't been really, you know, where they are now. So you were at a place that was kind of the team to beat. So tell us a little bit about Jerry Kill and maybe your time at Southern. Well, you know, it was it was interesting when first got there because if you remember, Dan, how Tress used to emulate Georgia Southern and how he wanted to be like Georgia Southern when Trust was starting to, you know, when when Trust was first starting, he wanted to be like Georgia Southern. Cause it, and so it was interesting to me because Jerry Kill wanted to model his program off of YSU, and he'd ask, constantly ask me, you know, what the, what would what would YSU what would YSU do? What would Trust do? This that and the other. So it was it was interesting to be on the other side of that. But you know, Jerry Kill is a hell of a head coach. Um, you know, I can't say enough good about that. He's a great human being. Oh. You know, and but he's very down to earth, and he will, he will mf you when you're wrong, and then he'll come back ten minutes later and tell you he loves you, and it's all good. I mean, you know, and, and I I still talk with several people, you know, from from Southern Illinois, and it's uh, and we all and we and actually uh, Tim was talking to his past the the girl who just was at New Mexico who's at New Mexico State now, who worked for Jerry before he um, left after this past year, and you know. She loves him. She loves working for him. And me and me and Paulina will talk. And uh, you know uh, what the old man do today? Well, you know he's ran on about this. And he's like, "Yeah, did you get fired today? No, not today. But we all been fired. Every he fired everybody on that staff hundred times. But it's okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was interesting. We had some. You know, obviously we had some great games with YSU. Um, <laughs> and when I first got down there, Southern Illinois was terrible. The stadium was a piece of shit. And, um, you know, it's, it's gone now. There's a new stadium. It's a great stadium. You know, he did, he helped build that stadium, make, turn that program around. Um, you know, the interesting story was he did his job interview to get that, to get that job. They was actually, you know, thinking about canceling the program entirely because it was that down at that point. And on his interview, they, you know, they showed him the stadium at night. They just drove past it. There's a stadium. Okay, good, good. We're done. And that's that's the best time it looked. It looked best at night when all the lights were off. They didn't have lights on the stadium at that point either. So he got lights put on the stadium. We could have night games. Yeah. So he got a lot done. You know, just he was a very personal guy, great football knowledge. And, uh, you know, he, he'd get the most out of everybody. And, you know, looking back to all the friends, I still have, you know, I still know from some of this, you know, how many people. And it's like Jim Trussell, you know, you can see. How many people have, in those teams have succeeded in business and life, and, and whatever they went on to accomplish after college? So, you know, just so many positive role models that he's put out in the world. Uh, cool. but yeah, it was interesting times. You yeah. know, when we were my first year there, we were four and eight, I think. Yeah, I think it was four and eight. But we uh, we beat Western Illinois on the last play of the game. We beat them 54-52, and they was top 10 in the country. That's when Western was good. And, you know, and and the next week we beat a ranked Northern Iowa team. And um, and then, you know, it, it, we just didn't have a depth. And by the time we got to Youngstown, you know, he was – we was we was, out, we was out on our third tailback and this, that, and the other. But uh, – and we lost that game. But leading up to the game, Jerry would – you know, he all wanted to make the kids play for something. So he made, he called that ball the Alvey Bowl because it was Youngstown versus Southern Illinois. So, you know, we it was, it, so it, 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 
grew after that. So every year we play Youngstown, it'd be the Albie Bowl, the Albie Bowl, the Albie Bowl. Um, I think it was in 2007 or so. And he was notorious for giving, you know, he he gave the kid game balls. You know, we got a game ball for for that win, win against Western Illinois, which is the first time they beat them in 18 years when we, when we beat them in 02. But, um, you know, I think it was 07. We won the Albie Bowl. He got a he got everybody a ball. Says Alvy Bowl champions, whatever year, and put the score on it. You know he was he was good like that for doing things like that. And so obviously when I followed him in Northern Illinois, the Alvy Bowl went away for a couple of years. And then uh, when I came back, the trainer that was he was still there. And I came back in 2012. We got down there and we lose. We lose the Alvy Bowl. And there at that point, there's not too many people aware. There's a few people. There's a few the you know, freshmen and I left, and they're seniors now, and I was aware of me, and a few, you know, son of a gun, you know, the trainer, after we, after we lost, he's about a month or two later that I got a package in the mail from the trainer. It was an Albie Bowl t-shirt with the score, and we, you know, that we lost, and so it was, it, it, it goes on this day, there's still a few people at Southern know about it, and laugh about it, and I think one day, about one time, about three or four years ago, we was down there for their alumni weekend, so it was good for me, obviously. Any better because we won that weekend, but it's uh, it's it was it's always an interesting game because you 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 want to win, but at the same time, it's like ah, you know, you feel for the other team because you they're you you're so close to both both teams. Yeah, we're not gonna let you brag about that too much more because there were times the Alvy Bowl you got the Gatorade bath at the end of the game before <laughs> Jerry killed it, and we were all like, "What the hell, man? You you really." You became yeah, you a trader, so we got we got to end that topic because you were beating us too many times. So uh, we, I, we, we got to move games. on to Tim here. <laughs> I, I, this will be my last question for a while. But Tim, you know, you you spent so much time there, obviously in the room and around so many student athletes. So I was kind of curious. It's kind of like picking a favorite equipment guy, but who's a you know an athlete or two that other than Kurt Hess and Kyle Searle, of, of course, but that you really, you know, that you're like, wow, just watching them has been amazing. So, you know, if you have a, one or two athletes, a male or female or something that really jumps out at you in all these years you've been there. <laughs> Thanks for making me sound old there, Dan. But, well, yeah, uh, <laughs> stop it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've seen a lot of good athletes in, in all of our sports, and uh, I, I was – you know, I reminisce every once, every time the Hall of Fame comes around and the class gets announced, and I, and I think back about other classes and and athletes that haven't gotten in yet. And uh, but a couple stand out, and, and I'll pick a couple from football that I thought were, they were they were other than the two sitting here, which you know are you know my boys, you know Marcus Mason. I mean, he could take over a game. You know, I seen it. I've seen, you know, two 98-yard touchdowns at Western Illinois. You know, uh, he could just run the ball. I mean, he was really good. He could get through the smallest of holes, and but before you know it, he's got 150 yards and four touchdowns, you know. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, I, I, I thought he was probably one of the best linebackers I've ever seen play at, at any – Anywhere I've been is James Terry. I mean, he could just, other than, I, I was around for London Fletcher when he was at John Carroll, but other than that, 
James Terry was the, probably the best defensive player I've ever seen. Um, another one, basketball player, um, um, KP Perry. He, I mean, he just—he was just a, a great athlete. Um, I mean, there's been so many. I mean, the female side is loaded with good athletes in, in all our sports. I mean, it's just—it's ridiculous how good how good we've been in the past. But yeah. Thanks, man. But those are good answers. Uh, Kyle, I'll flip that over to you. Thanks, guys. Back to football and road trips and the shenanigans that you guys like to get on. Um, what is your favorite and least favorite road trip to plan for? And that could be with like just the travel, the locker room, uh, where you guys like to go get your adult beverages or whatever the case may be. So w what trip do you least look forward to and what trip do you most look forward to when you see it on the calendar? Well, I mean, and I think you, you guys, everybody, everybody's been there will agree with me. The worst place, and obviously, you know, you go to the one-offs, you go to your pits and your Ohio State, and those are cool, and it is what it is, but, you know, obviously when you get to the conference, you know where you're going, so you know what to expect, and so, obviously, for those who have been there, and no one was happier than any of us that has ever been there, you always hated going to Western Illinois. I mean, the <laughs> locker room is, the locker room is decent size, but everybody knows the walk. You got to make the walk out to the field. It's a, you know, it's a small stadium. It's an outdated stadium. It's, it's, you know, every, tell me if you guys said you enjoyed going to West Noise, I know you guys are lying off your teeth because everybody hates what everybody. No, I think we East. talked about it extensively, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, at and, one point. And it's, it's Many really, points. It's it's you know and, and when they said they was going to leave and go to the OBC, there was such relief among the equipment managers. I mean, the equipment managers in the conference, we all have a, group, <laughs> a little group meet chat, and there was so much happiness in that day when they found out they was leaving. Um, you know, and, and did you just guys Western, did you guys just like boot the Western Hill guy out? They well, they, just they like removed the Western Hill guy they from did, the chat. He he left. Oh, okay, he, he left. He left. He left just before the season started, actually, and they just now fired hired their. I had a new person, but, you know, so now, you know, everybody sort of dreads their, their replacement in Murray State because they're not up quite up to stuff yet. So that's the that's the current sort of bummer on the, in the conference. Um, for me, obviously, going for me, going to Southern is the one I enjoy the best. Um, you know, I know my, I'm familiar with the surroundings. I know my way around. Plus, I know all the places to eat. So, I mean, we'll... We'll get not the Missouri State. Missouri State's a good place to eat. I mean, but uh, it uh, the locker room's not as good and nice things like that. But you know, for me, Southern Illinois, easy load in, load out, good post game meal with the barbecued place. Um, you know, it was Friday night. We'll load in, and then we either go to a place called. Uh, well, the last couple of times we went to. Uh, uh, Giant City Lodge, and every Friday night they have an all-you-can-eat fried chicken and catfish dinner. Can't beat that. Um, and then in the morning, get up, go to Mary's Lou's, have breakfast there, and head over to the stadium. So just the familiarity. So Southern, for me, is the, the one road trip I truly enjoy. Mary Lou's. I miss Mary Lou's. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, before Southern built their new stadium, though, that was a that was a piece of poop. It also. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the locker room wasn't any better underneath the state underneath the stadium. Oh my lord! And then they gave us oh. then they gave us the home side when they switched. Yeah. And it was a mile. It wasn't a mile, but it was a long walk. Oh, it was a cross the track. Ill State, you have to walk. Ill State, yeah, Ill State's a bit of a walk. Yeah, Ill State's a bit of a walk. Until until the Daco- until the Dakotas came into. Go ahead. I was going to say no, Ill State. You don't have the until gymnastics the... room. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you have a walk. I mean, until right. until the gymnastics. Dakotas came until the the Dakotas came into the league, we were hands down the best facility around. Hands down, as far as looks, convenience, you know, workability, and everything. But I mean, now you got the domes and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Some some parts it's of the domes the stories, are nice, but then again, you know, it's the stories. You know, setting those headsets up to the <laughs> the small domes. None of those domes have an elevator that goes all the way to the press box, so you got to carry the headsets upstairs, and that's not the that's not a true yeah. joy. Well, so, I, yeah. before I, I, I get into the Mike question, we have Mike with us, uh, who we'll introduce later. But uh, just Mike, I don't know if you have anything you want to optional. You want to ask these guys anything or not? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I was curious, you know, the last two seasons, you know, we started with like the, the wide decal on our helmets. And then midway through the season, we changed to those peat ones. Curious, you know, did how long did it take to to switch those out, and would you prefer if we just stick with one for the whole season? <laughs> you know, okay, so two years ago, two two years ago, we we're getting ready. It's like, you know, let's do something different, yada yada yada. Because we've done a silver wide, we had a silver wide that year, two years ago, we did that too. And so it was like, can we do anything else? So, um, you know, we had our decal company do about three or four different samples for us and we put them on and really when it came down to it when we put the when we put the big peat on it was it wasn't even close there's not there was nothing else even close to looking that good and so that was the way we was going to do it and the first one first helmet it took an hour to do the helmet so obviously you know being that we only have one shell practice it's a practice helmet it's our game helmet no other color is the one shell we got it's going to be a project turning that around. So, uh, we got the decals in, and they're on sheets of two. And it's like, and I was thinking, most times when they come in sheets, of, well, obviously when you're dealing with a Y, the sheets of two, you just you take a sheet and you put the Y on each side. Done. I didn't even think to look. So we was going to do it mm, earlier in the season two years ago, and we went to, went to start. And realized we only had the, like the left side. We didn't have any right side penguins, so it was like we can't do it. It was actually just after Labor Day, so it's like I, you know, I'm trying to call. It's like it's Sunday, and it's like next day's Labor Day, and it's like, oh, I can't get a hold of this guy till Tuesday, and to have and no, I says we can't, we can't do it, and so we pushed it down the road, and then we switched over, and so when we switch over, we figured it out. We we we're down to about 20 minutes of helmet, 15, 20 minutes of helmet now to do it all. But um, little tricks we've learned in, in doing it. But it, it when we switch over, we start Sunday, 
and we start with the kickers, the quarterbacks, the wilds. You know, people don't get hit. And uh, we start with Aaron Woods. <laughs> and we work our way closer to the ball as the week goes on. So by the time Thursday's practice done, we're ready to start O-line, D-line, the one the helmets that really get messed up, so they don't get to, so they'll be fine for the weekend. Um, but so yeah, obviously we brought the penguin out. It went over very well. And so last year, it's like, what do we do? Do we go full time Pete? Do we bring the Y back? It's like, you know, because and I'm partial to both. I mean, because the the Y has their tradition and it, there's so much history behind it. So it's like. But that that big Pete looks so good, and it gets so much attention. And uh, so we made we made a decision. You know what? We'll start the Y. You know, take care. You know, take care of the older older alumni base. Make them happy, and then switch over. Because I mean, some people don't like the big Pete. I I, I know the younger younger people do, and I'm, you know, I like it. It, it looks it looks amazing, and it's so unique on a on a helmet. So, um. So we will probably continue doing that, splitting the year up, as long as I, as long as we can. So, because it, it's just such a draw, you can't you can't get away from that help the big P helmet now. I want to see the script. I want to see the script penguin. I tell I tell that to you guys every time I'm in the locker room. I, I want to see the script penguin back at some point. I'm getting feedback. It sounds some noise. I don't even hear what it is. I don't even listen to that stuff. <laughs> we talked about doing script penguin again. It gets again the people for, going. For, we talked about doing script penguin again, so we might pull that back out. And and honestly, it's going to be a while before we have an anniversary Y on there again, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, we talked about doing maybe just doing script penguin again. So we'll, we might pull that back out. And the bad part is, you know, I like, mainly want. We always did that that Star and Stripe Penguin, uh, Star and Stripe Y for Veterans Day, but now it's like, you know, <laughs> if we take the big Pete off, put that on, uh, it, it's it's great to honor the veterans and things like that, but geez, oh man. Oh, then we have to put the Penguin yeah, back on for playoff way. runs. So well, good, we've been doing uh, smaller, smaller wise. Good question, Mike, because that's something that's come up often that I, I don't know how I forgot to leave that out, so I'm glad you mentioned the uh, – the decals of these guys. Uh, question I have really for either of you guys is more of a story time, but just a great, I've heard some crazy stories from other schools about under pressure situations of uh, equipment staff. Like I, I remember watching a Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech game where five of the Virginia Tech players had to borrow Georgia Tech's practice uniforms because they didn't even have the jerseys. So crazy stuff like that happens. And then as we all know, uh, there's some crazy off the field stuff that I know uh, your guys don't exactly have to play a game the next day. So they may go out on Friday nights and, and um, some stories may be better untold, but I guess it's just a, a good time for just a quick story time for each of y'all to tell us something that <laughs> y'all seen during your YSU days. And and just so you guys know, this is the Y Town Penguin Hokies podcast because Sal references Virginia Tech at least <laughs> once a show. Just for your reference. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you talk about like stories about being under pressure and stuff, and you know, like a story that happened, and uh, 
one day and cop was there. We went to uh, wherever you go out by Vegas. What was the school? Uh, Southern Utah. School. Southern Utah. Southern, Southern Utah. Utah. We were at Southern Utah. God. I, I was there, Tim. That was my second year. I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You yeah, were there. I was there. Oh, okay. Because I'm about to tell the story, and it's kind of an under-the-pressure story, but also a pretty funny story. We set up the headsets, and it started raining when we started playing. I mean, it was raining. I mean, pouring. And the headsets didn't work. And I literally spent the whole game on my behind by the headsets trying to fix these headsets, and I couldn't get them to work. And John Haycock was continuously yelling my name because Danny Cops gives me so much stuff about it that literally the whole game. I don't even think they ever really did work. And then it was just – and I, I, I'm an equipment guy. I'm not an electrician. Well, I, just, I don't know how to do it. I'm just like going through the motions here, pushing buttons and unplugging cords and plugging them back in. And it's just like, you know, and of course, first time we ever go to, we go to play pit at Heinz Field then. We go there, we, you know, all this time before the game, we go up to the press box. And this was before they had all the fancy dancy headsets that they have now. We set the headsets up there working perfectly. We go back into the, Locker room, we come back out, nothing. Nothing but static. Now, this is our first big-time game. We ended up using walkie-talkies for the whole game. What year? And, uh, it was the first time we, we played Pitt. I, I, I don't know what year it was. I've been doing this way too long. But oh, 05. Was it 05? Was it, was it? Yeah, I think, he was, I think he was the head coach. Okay. And uh, and that's okay. You use walkie-talkies. You make do. But but when you're standing on the sidelines and your head coach walks by you and just glares at you. Now, mind you, now mind you I'm, I'm the assistant equipment manager. The head equipment manager is standing right next to me. And I'm the one that's kids glaring at and yelled at. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. The best time I ever had was when Bo came. Bo looked out. It was a home game. Bo, it started to rain, and Bo wanted to get the – gloves changed out and he looked at me and said something about the gloves and I said hey Alvy's right over there I said I want nothing to do with it <laughs> that was it uh, that was the best time ever but yeah I, so, I mean, good I do remember that I just was coming to Southern Utah so I remember Brian Jones was our signal caller then and I remember him like the first drive all the offense was looking at him and Jones couldn't hear anything he was just looking around I remember Dave Ellis <laughs> Your headphones not working. Take my headphones. And Billy, he didn't have a headphone the whole game. But yeah, the first drive, if it wasn't for Dave Elliott's headphones working, I don't know what what the hell we were gonna do. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it. Uh, my upsell or you still? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. To, or Alvy, have you have any any story to give? You, you know, I. That was know, good I, though. I, Tim. I, I forgot. This. I. I, I Headsets. I mean, and I I can share stories of headsets too because it it is the absolutely, you know, you could you do a hundred things right before the game, and it's all sound good, but then everything turns on the scoreboard, everything turns on in the game time, and all of a sudden you got poof, and it's like what the hell? There was one time, and I was I was actually at 
when I was at Southern Illinois, we was at Arkansas Pine Bluff. And it rained. It, it rained off and on. And we had run wire up to the press box. And, and you know, it's so it's laying in puddles. And, and all of a sudden, it, it's, I mean, we ended up beating them pretty bad. But it's early, early in the game. And all of a sudden, the headsets oh. don't work. And Jerry kills yelling at me to get the headsets going. Get the headsets going. What's wrong with headsets? MF and media, you know. I'm going through there, and I'm trying to find. I can't find why it won't work. So, <laughs> game goes on. The headsets come back on miraculously. I don't know what I did. I didn't do a damn thing. But they come back on. They're working <laughs> fine. We win. It's after the game, and the OC comes to me and says, "Hey, listen, headsets were fine the entire time. We screwed up. We don't want to. We didn't have. We don't want to kill her yelling at us. So we just went silent." So that's why the headsets were fine the entire time. The headsets were fine. We just went quiet. Nobody wanted to get yelled at. Cool. So it's like, great, I'll take that one. So, but, you know, I think, <laughs> I, I believe, I, and Tim will tell you, and even Dan, I don't, I don't, you know, something will break during the game. It's like, all right, just come here and we'll fix it, whatever. I, I don't feel the pressure during the game to get things like pan. And Tim will tell you, Carm, went, and Dan would know, and Carm, it's something to break. Carm would go into panic mode. It's like, and he'd be, you know, and it'd be hysterical to watch. He'd be saying, but, uh, you know, I think, I think back to really the worst, I don't know how it was bad, but so after the 16, after the 2016 championship game, we get to the airport. We had, we had the little trailer there we towed behind Ray Hoff. Great. I love Ray Hoff. He does so much for us. Can't say enough good things about him. He's driving the trailer back. He leaves. We get to the airport. Our plane's messed up. Apparently, I, I guess the, from what I understand, the all the the bags fell out of the top of the ceiling. They had to put all the bags back in for some reason. So, so we end up sitting. In, we're at we're at Love Field in Dallas for like three, four hours waiting waiting for them to get this fixed. You know, you just lose the championship game. Now you got to sit in this little. Little airport, and you know, because you, you know, you don't you don't fly into you don't use the usually airport. You use an APO, and you're all huddled in a small area. And so we're there for three or four hours, and finally get on the plane, and finally get back to Youngstown. And I legitimately, I think, I think, I don't know, I got to bed maybe about four or five o'clock in the morning after that, and I get a call about seven in the morning, and it's Ray says, hey. Had a good night's sleep, getting ready to go. We're getting ready to start and come back. And okay, they're on the they're like the Texas Arkansas border, whatever. Great, Ray, thanks. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you later. Okay, get a call about eleven o'clock then. Get a call about eleven o'clock. It's Ray again, and he's blown three tires in the trailer. He's gone through all the spare tires. He's blown through three tires. He's sitting alongside the road outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. The trailer is too heavy. Um, so, <laughs> so I had a box truck at the university because we took the bags. We flew the bags down with us. I it's eleven o'clock in the morning. I get I go to the university, park my car, get the keys to the box truck, and start driving to Little Rock, Arkansas. It's a thirteen and a half hour drive. Oh I get down there. We put half the stuff in the box truck, and I get the, we. They got the tires replaced, and so we start driving back in this little caravan, and we, you know, the, it's the night, night, national championships on, and we're listening out on the radio, and I got a kid with me in the pickup, and they got, you know, we're driving back, we're all tired, pissed off, and things like this, and 
We get so the kids miss the first day of class because they're still driving back from Texas, and and we finally it's it's like six in the morning. We're we're in Akron, and it's snowing. It's just completely snowing. You can't see the road. So we're going back, you know, all the way from Akron down to Youngstown on one on the two tire tracks on, on 76. We're just driving down on the two tire tracks. We're moving about 30 miles an hour. You're an hour away from home. You can't even get home now at this point. We finally get there and unpack the truck the next day. So that was probably the worst road trip ever. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, those are some legendary stories. I can still remember Tim Southern Utah. Um, speaking of Carm, Sal, you guys remember as the headphones are down, John Haycock is screaming for Tim. Now, Carm is like right next to him and he's screaming, Gallo. And everyone looks around and there's Tim going from, he looked like, you know, like the operator at the phones, <laughs> plugging one thing in here, one thing up here. And you're laying on the on the grass doing this, and John and Coach Haycock still screaming for you, yep. and you were like, "What do you want me to do?" I'm so you were drenched. Remember, it was raining. Yeah. So, well, uh, quick question here. Obviously, we got to talk about the man. So, uh, would love you guys just to give a word or two, just just something quickly. I know Kyle's got to get to some YouTube live stuff, but give us a word or two about. The guy we all love, uh, our guy Carm, Carmen Cassis. And I'll start with you, Alvi. So just one or two things, and then Tim, you can go. And for all the people that love Carm, everyone on this show and all those players, give us a little some things about Carm. You know, we we can we can never say enough about Carm. I mean, he meant so much to us as in our lives and helping us, you know, become who we are today. Um, you know, it, it's it's we can tell stories all night long about that. Um, you know, it, mm -hmm. you know, the thing that it's really stands show. out for me the most is he was very generous. He was a very generous person, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and everybody, everybody here in this room knows about it, but, you know, and, and a lot of people do know about it, but it's just, sometimes it's just the little things that, you know, he, he would take you down and get to a meal. He'd help you out with, you know, he'd help you out in ways you never even, you didn't even think about it because he, he knew so many people, um, and so, you know, you'd get in a little bit of trouble and you'd say, go, go down and see this person. They'll help you out. Or, or, you know, it's, he always had somebody to help you out with, you know, if he could help you out, he knew somebody could help you out. And so I think, you know, that's, that's the one thing that lives on with all of us. He, you know, he always made a, found a way to help you out. He's always generous in one way or another. Um, he'd drive you crazy sometimes. He would absolutely drive you crazy sometimes. But uh, he was always very generous and willing to give whatever he could. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, his generosity. There's so many things that man did that nobody knows about. About Thanksgiving dinners, about Christmas dinners, about you know taking people down to the MBR and feeding them, and and you know he literally was my father here. I mean he. He wasn't, he, he might not have been around a lot, but whenever I needed him, he was always there. Uh, and he would always, always be willing to help me drop everything he was doing to help me. Um, I mean, the whole family, I mean, what became my family, but 
I learned so much for that from that man, and he literally was my best friend, and and I literally miss him every single day. That's that's awesome. We all love him, and we all miss him all the time. I think you guys nailed it with just those words. And like you said, we could tell Carm stories. We could do a podcast after oh. dark or oh a Carm yeah. podcast, and <laughs> we could we'd probably have to call people from all over the country because. Uh, he touched so many lives in the whole Cassis family. We love him, and man, Carm's, you know, I'm wearing a shirt tonight, one of our, we, we still have a little cigar night uh, once a year in honor of him, and man, we, we all miss him. We love Carm, and so I appreciate you guys sharing that, and so uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to, uh, uh, back. I think it's over to, yeah, to Kyle. Sorry about that. You guys could have told me I was muted. Um, it was, Carm, pre it was what pretty a great funny. Guy. Oh, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, hey, he, he did it right, though, too. It was like freshman. It was like pulling teeth to get an extra shirt for practice. It was just like, hey, hey you, got a, you got a shirt in your locker. I don't care if it stinks. Like, you're not getting a fresh one. But, uh, yeah. And – you know, dishing up them hell shells and black and chicken at the MVR. That was always my go-to dish there. So I'm <laughs> um, jumping over to YouTube. Richard Wolf is in the chat. Super fan of the show. Super fan of the uh, program there. He just wants to say uh, thanks to Tim and Carmen for uh, hiring him. And then he wants to know, Tim, do you remember the first time y'all met? You remember the first time you met Richard Wolf? Oh, I don't. Oh, Rich, drop it in the drop it in the chat. Yeah, drop it. Um, and then we'll we'll come back to that. DJ Moss, he's he's talking some crazy stuff over here, talking about <laughs> Alvy's interview day. Alvy, does this sound familiar? He's rehabbing his shoulder <laughs> with JD, and you yeah. are. He's like talking crazy to DJ, and Moss has no idea what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Cause I and I I, I did I, I have did no the, idea what he's talking about. I did the interview and DJ was hurt and and I did the interview in the suit and JD was so pissed I wouldn't take the suit off to go out to practice. I'm out to practice suit and tie, and he's JD's just pissed at me and then he starts you know he's working with DJ in his rehab and I, you know and and I don't I don't remember what I said. I'm sure DJ remembers more than I do, but I'm sure I was just rambling on and some talk some crazy stuff. I mean really you. Podcast after dark, you, you can ask Danny Cop about the first time he met me, and that's the story. Um, so I'm sure I, I, I okay, I remember talking to DJ. We was along the visiting team sideline, and I remember talking to him, but I can't remember what he said. But obviously, he made an impression on him. <laughs> it's a good thing Alvy doesn't remember what he said. Let's we might want to leave it right, right at that. We, we might, <laughs> all right, yeah. Uh, chat's kind of dead tonight. There's just Rich and, and Demo. Um, Come on. Demo says Demo <laughs> says um sorry, you you said you missed uh Mary Bell's breakfast or whatever in Missouri State or what, Southern Hill? Uh, where Mary Lou's. Southern Hill. Moss, Moss says he misses misses Tokyo House. And I remember oh, Moss yeah. would always talk about always talk about Tokyo House. Yeah. And he'd be like, Oh, I go get the lobster and filet hibachi, and it's the best. And oh, I, I never made it there, so I you can't, never. Oh, I can't miss. Oh. I can't miss what I never had. Oh, you're missing. Yeah, you missed out. You missed out. <laughs> and and Tim will tell well, you, we actually 
we actually went to Tokyo House soon after I came back, and Ken, the the, the owner owner and cook there, he had a phenomenal memory, like Tress's memory. He can remember people from. It was like whoa. And Tim will tell you this story. He we 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 went there soon after I came back, and Tim's never been there, and so. Can you know? I, I maybe visited twice since I got. I was gone ten years. I maybe visited twice. He remembered me. Blue, you know. He remembered we talked like we was old friends. Yada yada yada. And then he goes, Tim, I know you. You they told Tim where he lived, and freaked him out. But uh, oh, Tokyo House, man, that's true. That's good eating there. Was hey, I got another? I got another right in chat question. From uh, Kyle Kronovic. Um how much oh. of his hair, how much of Kyle's hair have you made him lose? A lot. <laughs> A lot. Oh, Kyle. Kyle, Kyle, just, just, just yeah. call it, bro. Just well, so shiny. Thing, huh? shout, shout out to Kyle, though. Kyle, Kyle's our our supervisor, our business manager, and he gets he gets down and dirty sometimes with Alvi and, and helping us out. <laughs> you know he does he does a lot for me and so yeah shout out to Kyle. Yeah, Kyle does a lot. We're gonna leave Kyle the specifics <laughs> out then again, aren't we? Yeah. What's Kyle, that? Kyle. Kyle helps We're leaving out. the specifics out again. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Once again, he's he's losing hair. <laughs> he's losing hair. I ain't. So you know which one of us are worried. <laughs> well, wrapping up, guys. We're gonna. Run up. Move on to our, our next guest, but we've, and y'all are welcome to stay on with us or, or sign off um, if y'all want. But just last word from each of you, Tim Alvey, could be about the upcoming season or YSU in general, or any last words you may want to say to the cast. Alvey, go ahead. Okay, I'll go. Um, you know, it, hey, it was great being on this. It was great, and obviously we could. We could tell stories all night and make this, you know, a 24-hour podcast, really. But, uh, it, you know, thank <laughs> you guys so much for having us. Um, you know, I, we hope we hope for the best for next year. You know, obviously, this is a very interesting time in college football. It's changed it's changed dramatically over this, over the last couple mm-hmm. of years. And, um, you know, I think I think Doug does a good job in managing the personnel. I mean, it's really interesting how. A head coaching position has become less about football, um, more about fundraising and 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 roster management than anything else. Uh, it's you know, it's changed so much, so dramatically, so fast. Um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. You know, it it you, we went from having somewhere you know between one and five kids start mid year. This year we was at fifteen, sixteen, and um, you know, it's it's going to be that way from here on out because, uh, you know, you'll see kids that say, oh, you know, I got it. In, in May, they'll have, I got offers from Louisville. I got offers from, you know, Toledo. I got offers from all these bigger schools. And then the portal opens up in December. And all of a sudden, those high school kids don't have offers because they can fill in the void right away instead of trying to, trying to build a player up. So, you know, I think you'll see us get more better high school players in the future just because of what's being left on the table by the bigger schools. 
But in the same token, we can develop those players and lose them after two years. So it's going to change the face of it changes everything about college football and how you got to operate. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I appreciate you guys having us on. Uh, it's been fun. Um, I love you guys. You know that. Uh, I just want to send a shout out to the kids that work for me, Kieran, Tess, Maddie, Zoe, and Leanne, because without those awesome people that I would be lost because, I mean, I, I deal with almost 19 sports, and it gets hectic sometimes, and they they have my back, and, and they make make me be able to do my job. Um, but uh, it's it's been a pleasure. I mean, I just love it. Uh, I love interacting with former players and former coworkers. Um, I, I love it when you guys come to the equipment room, except for when you leave with, you know, soft stuff. But um, but uh, it's all good, and uh, I appreciate it. Had fun, guys. Thanks. It's just it's just our back pay for all that nil we missed out on. <laughs> right, just consider right. that, and then. <laughs> And then I I was fully prepared for you guys to be sitting in your your office doing the show together. So maybe next time we can do it in the in the stadium show. What we do should think? do a podcast what? from the equipment room. Maybe that's the podcast that's the in the room. Game. Yeah. No, but seriously, I mean, I I just I love you guys. I mean, I always make it a point to get to the stadium early. Walk through the tailgate. I spend 20 minutes in the tailgate, and I'll spend an hour in the equipment room with you guys before the game. So, because you're um, eating. just because you're um, eating. You know, you guys got the spread. I mean, I they do you, have you got the spread the ta- though. You, you got they the do. buffalo. You got the buffalo chicken dip. You got the the Taco Bell. What else you got? You got hot dogs and popcorn and whatever oh, else. Uh, they got everything. Everything. My my nephew ate about half the thing of popcorn the one time I took him in there. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. <laughs> he he had a blast. Yeah, we, we, we love you guys, man. Thanks thanks yeah, for being thank, on, man. You guys are the best. Thanks for coming on. And thank you for everything y'all do. And, and just one more thing is, coaches unfortunately, head coaches especially, they they come and they they go. And for all the players of all generations, y'all have really been kind of the face. For when we come home and come to the stadium, um, everyone knows you guys from all different generations of uh, the football program. And I appreciate y'all being the face to welcome us back and, and kind of really someone we can go to back at the stadium, even though we come back and there's no coaches we know anymore. So thank you for that, too, guys. Uh, You're welcome. Anyways, Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Right. Appreciate it. Thanks. Care, uh, yeah, going over to Curdy to introduce our next guest. <laughs> yeah, I just want to give uh, our boy Mets a little bit of uh, uh, give him some credit for uh, for being so patient with us throughout this whole show. Mets, we appreciate you being here. Um, yeah, but, I enjoyed their stories. Yeah, I, I, pretty cool to have them. But uh, 2008 grad of Ursuline, uh, 2012 grad of Youngstown State. How he got on the show with us today was he won our FCS bracket challenge. Um, honestly, Michael Metzinger, a guy that Kyle and I are getting to know a little bit more as we see him uh, throughout the fall, probably knows more about Youngstown State athletics than anybody who's regularly on this podcast, including myself, Sal, Kyle, and, and Coach Cobb. I mean, honestly, you're you're more in tune than than we are sometimes, and when we love hearing from you, but. Um, w- the winner of our FCS bracket challenge, a, a Youngstown State 
person through and through. Uh, he got 23 out of 26 FCS playoff selections correct, which is insane <laughs> to only miss three games. Uh, but happy to have him on the show. It's been a long time coming, man. Uh, welcome to the show, Michael Metzinger. How you doing, man? Good, Kurt. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so if, if you could, Matt, just, you know, take a minute or less, you know, talk a little bit about yourself. What are your ties to uh, YSU? What are your ties to the Youngstown State program? Um, and I know that you're you're taking away. You probably were going to go to that men's basketball game tonight, so thank you for sacrificing that. I don't that. know about that um, But what's it like being a win. YSU fan, and what's your life like today? Yeah, so, uh, you know, life's good. Um, you know, happily married to my wife, Ashley. Uh, you know, we live here in Boardman. We got two boys, uh, Aaron, who's six, and Anthony, who's four, and grooming them to be, you know, the next generation of, of Penguin fans. And, you know, um, you know, Young Sunset's always played a big role in my life growing up. Uh, you know, my dad, where he works at APO Horo, I know they're big supporters of Youngstown State. So kind of through, you know, his work there at, at, at APO Horo, uh, really kind of got introduced a lot to, to Youngstown State football and basketball. But, you know, a lot of memories growing up, uh, you know, my dad taking me, you know, in the 90s, uh, you know, I'll, I'll name drop uh, Matt DeVecchio, his family. I know he played in the early 90s. Uh, they have a big tailgate they, they've continued. So I remember, you know, going to the breakfast tailgates, all that growing up. So, you know, Youngstown State's always had an important, you know, place, uh, you know, in my life and, you know, proud graduate from there. And, and you know, today, you know, now you know, have the ability to kind of give back a little bit and, and you know, sit on the, the board for the Penguin Club, which is kind of like the booster arm for Youngstown State. So, you know, uh, a proud Penguin here. Awesome, man. Thank you. Hey, we're, we're, we're probably going to do a, a show ourselves in July and August recapping last year and our takeaway and then talking to 2024. I, I know the schedule was just posted up and released, but uh, we talk all the time to each other. Love to get an outsider's perspective because I know you're a big fan of the program and you follow uh, the team, uh, if not as well, better than we do. So I'd love to get your perspective on what you thought about that 2023 season and our run to the postseason, and uh, knowing who's leaving and who's coming in, what's your expectations for the 24 season? Yeah. So to, you know, recap 2023, I, I think, you know, 2022 ended with a, you know, on a sour note, you know, what we went seven and four, we thought we had the opportunity to, to, to get in the playoffs. It didn't happen. And, you know, we, I know you guys talked about it. You know, a lot of people talked about you know, how many times we were on the bubble over the years. We never made it in. Uh, and, and so I thought it was real important for this squad with, how, you know, the guys we had coming back that, you know, we had to find a way to make the playoffs. And, you know, we put ourselves in a little tough position there with some of those losses you know, at Northern Iowa and at South Dakota. And, you know, you begin to ask yourself, oh, here we go again. You know, we're going we're gonna to be left out. But fortunately, we've, we found a way. You know, the stars kind of aligned that final weekend of the season. And, you know, we made it to the playoffs, which I think is really important for this this team, for this coaching staff, and really just the program as a whole. Um, you know, you guys, like when you were there, certainly very good and capable of winning multiple games in the playoffs. But, you know, the bracket I know was smaller then. And unfortunately, you were left out a couple times. But if you think back, you know, we've only – outside of 2006 and, and I think 2016, 
you know, we've only been to the playoffs a few times since Trestle left. So, uh, which kind of has contributed to, I know you guys talked about it, the, the lack of fans and all that. And, and so I, I just think we, we have to, we have to build on this and, and making the playoffs is a good step, you know, in the right direction as it relates to 2023. Twenty-four. What are you thinking? Just, just get, you're saying build on it, as in we got to go back to the playoffs. Well, you know, easier said than done when you your your defense gets gutted, and you know we had our issues last year. You know, especially on the defensive side. If you look at the stats, you know we were good against the run, had some issues against the pass, and um, you know Villanova had their way with us, it seemed, and. Then you, you lose what four, five, six guys, some of which go to power five schools. It, it's, it's, you know, Tim and Alvy were talking about it. It's, it's a crazy time right now in just college athletics with, uh, you know, NIL and the transfer portal. And, you know, those guys, you know, give them credit. You know, I, I can't blame them. You know, you hate to see them go, but, you know, they, I'm sure that, you know, they're doing all right for themselves going to the power five, but a lot of, a lot of uncertainty in, in, you know, you lose guys in the portal, and then you got to mm. find a way to reload in the portal. Um, and, and so, you know, remains to be seen. And then I would say the other big question mark is that quarterback position. You know, we had Mitch Davidson, who did an outstanding job for us. And, you know, we have Bo Brungard, and, you know, I'm an Urson guy, so I'll mention uh, Brady Shannon as well. And I know we have a couple other guys. So, you know, that QB competition is going to be, you know, really important this year. So I, I, I think we got some good talent elsewhere, but you know, the defense and the QB position to me are the, the biggest question marks uh, for next year. DK. Yeah. Um, Mike, thanks for being on the show. Uh, it's cool to have you on and I know your family. I know your mom and your dad and so many other people in your family. You guys are a great family, Youngstown through and through. So it's, it's cool to have you on the show and get a little perspective. Uh, you're involved with, the Penguin Club, I, I think, as uh, most people are aware, or maybe not uh, as well. And so it's kind of, I kind of have a two-part question for you. You know, obviously you're a big fan involved with things with the program, uh, or all of our programs, that is, uh, especially from the Penguin Club side. What do you think is the biggest need for our athletic department going forward? You know, if, if so one question there, maybe what that biggest need is going forward, and is there a certain – I know you don't want to single a certain team out at YSU, but maybe you do. Is there something you're most passionate about of one of the teams? So if those two questions I could throw out you. Sure. So I, I think that's a, that's a great question. That first one, especially, you know, Kyle, I know Kyle uh, with Leiden Oil, and they, they share loads with, with uh, a few other businesses, including Ohoro. You know, been to some games sitting outside. I have season tickets outside, but also was upstairs. And some of those games upstairs, you know, the loges are, are filled to capacity and you look out and the fans are, are, are nowhere to be seen. So it seems to me like, you know, we have a great support from the business community and, you know, they talk about NIL. And I think, you know, like on the, you know, the Horizon League, we're like number one in, in NIL uh, money's coming in. And I think we were even from what I heard at one of our recent Penguin Club meet, uh, meetings, you know, maybe tops in the Missouri Valley as well on the NL, NIL side. So it seems like we got the support of the business community. Those loges seem to be filled up every week, but, you know, we need to get the fans back. And, you know, again, like I said, you know, only making the playoffs. Now it's three years over, what, 2023 20, season since Jim Tressel was here. All while the team down in Columbus, who I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of, I'll be the first to admit, uh, 
you know, has become really an elite program. And it really kind of became an elite program once Trestle went there. And so, you know, in that time where maybe we've had some decent teams, but, you know, not that consistent success, they're doing great down there. And it seems like uh, for some fans, I don't want to speak, you know, I don't want to generalize too much here, but it seems like a lot of fans, the, the allegiance is, is with Ohio State and, and, and following them. But, you know, you got to get out there. You've got a Division One athletic program in our own backyard. And, you know, I would just encourage, you know, fans, get out there and support what you have. And, and you know, if you think back, um, you know, those trestle years, the crowds that came out, they were, you know, tremendous. And, and I remember 2006, we had some big crowds. And there's been other big crowds over the years, but it, there's nothing like seeing, you know, Stambaugh Stadium with, you know, 17, 18, 19,000 people and just – seems like especially since covid it just you know the fans aren't coming out so we got to we got to get the fan base the casual fan out there again um and i, I think that's that's really important and, and you know i'll just i'll add you know on the basketball side the last couple of years they've had a great deal of success they started to win and win consistently and and their crowds have been phenomenal you know i think last year you know Akron and Ken are are and Duquesne are are perennial mid-major powers and and I've, from what I read, our, our attendance was, was better than theirs. So, you know, I think the fans will start showing up, but we just got to be, be consistent. You can't go this next year and go, you know, three and nine. You know, you got to find a way to, to build on a playoff run and, and keep that happening, uh, keep that going moving forward. And, Dan, to your other question, I, I would still say, you know, football's my thing. As much as I, I've enjoyed going to basketball games over all, all these years, just the – you know, a lot of great games I've been to on, on the football side. I've had the opportunity to travel with the team, you know, a, a few times. I've been to Western Illinois. I know what you guys are talking about there. It's not, <laughs> not the best facility. You know, had the privilege of going to South Dakota State. That's a, that's a great place. And, you know, to explore those towns and all that. Um, but I would say, you know, football for sure is, is my number one passion. Uh, well, well, thanks for those answers. You have great insight, especially with the Penguin Club. I'm sure maybe you could uh... – keep us informed of what's going on there a little bit. And, uh, but I, I, we'd be remiss if we didn't point out coach Calhoun tonight, you know, they won again, 22 wins or 22 and nine. They're going to probably be finished. Are they going to be in second Mets for the conference? And then, so we could see coach Calhoun has done an amazing job. He's made our basketball program, uh, men's basketball program relevant for the first time in forever. So now we got to try and win, what three? If we can win three here in this tournament, we get in the dance. I, th- I believe. Yeah. I think that's kind of yep. how it is. But so kudos to Coach Calhoun and all our listeners out there. If you don't know what's going on with our men's basketball program, you better clue in because Coach Calhoun's just been—he's unbelievable, guys, unbelievable. Yeah. So thanks, yeah. Mets, for yeah. those answers. Thank you, Thank you. appreciate. Oh, um, Mets! You could—you could totally be critical of our fans. Like I—I I am very critical of our fans, especially when our game time lines up with Ohio State. You just call it like you see it on this show, and we'll be good to go, all right? I appreciate Um, that. Yeah, I'm on board. They absolutely do need to be better. And I I do agree that, you know, the the business aspect, the business fans in the loges, the stadium could be completely empty and the loges will be booked solid. But – Mets, I just want to appreciate everything that you offer to the show that we mentioned, you know, I, before I knew who you were, I would get these DMs 
on my Instagram from We Are Youngstown. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know who this is, but he's dropping me great little nuggets of information about <laughs> uh, whether it's a history with the team that they're playing that week or statistics or, or numbers across the country, you know, just numbers. And I was talking to Kronovich today and it makes sense. He says, you're, you're a numbers guy. So um, definitely someone that I want to see back on this show and be a part. And, and I know you will continue to contribute to the show um, behind the scenes, but you know, someone that's in Youngstown uh, would love to go to some spring ball with you, kind of see how the team's going to unfold. But with that being said, um, are there any like YSU memories particularly that stick out to you that's like a home game or something that like whether it's a game in the 90s or something that just grabs you and it's like this, this is my team. And, you know, people always ask me like, Oh, sir, are you mad Ohio State lost this weekend? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, like, no, man. Like, they didn't recruit me. I didn't play for them. Like, <laughs> sure, it sucks, but like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't ruin my weekend. Whereas, like, when the Penguins are, are beating you and I by double digits multiple times in the game and we lose, then I'm mad Saturday night. I'm mad Sunday morning. I'm mad Monday. And I don't want to talk about it. So, is there, is there like a moment in YSU history? That was that just got you hooked. Yeah. Well, at first, you know, I appreciate you know the the, the nice things you said. Happy to come on whenever you guys want. Like, I I would say there's probably two games that really kind of stick out to me. Um, the 2006 game, we it was a playoff game at home. ESPN two is James Madison, and I think Tim or Alvy mentioned Marcus Mason. You know, that team had some great talent. I know Tom Zetz, a local guy from Boardman was our quarterback, they, uh, uh, players, you know, across the board. And I don't know, Sal, were you a part of that Haycock staff then, or when did you? Oh, uh, yeah, two years, 08 and 09. Okay, so you weren't there for that game. But, you know, it was, a, it was a great game. You know, first half back and forth, back and forth. Second half, James Madison kind of took over. Um, you know, and, and what was interesting about that game, you know, they, they brought – you know, a large amount of fans over. And I don't know, if, Dan, you probably remember, they had like streamers all over the east side of the stands. And um, it was a great atmosphere and it was a great showcase on national TV. But I think they were up like 10 or 11, maybe early fourth quarter. And, you know, again, kind of those things where some guys made some big plays. Um, I remember like Tom Zetz had a real long pass. I forget it was like third and 15, third and 20. Um, they needed, they were like at their own goal line and, and, and he completed a pass and uh, Marcus Mason had some great runs that game, but they found a way to win that game um, on national TV. And, and I know that was a big moment because that was the first time for, for coach Haycock to, to make the playoffs as a head coach. So, you know, that was a big thing and the community came out and supported uh, the team. And then I would also mention when, when you guys were there 20, I don't know if it's 2011 or 2020 uh, or 2012. Um, I think it was my birthday, actually, the, the game at Pitt. You know, I, I remember kind of going into that game thinking, I'm like, you know, we got some talent. You know, anything could happen. And, and you didn't just beat them. You, you, you really just took complete control of that game. And, and, and it was interesting throughout the game to just kind of watch the Pitt fans depart. And there may have even been some rain that game, but you could just watch the place. That's just, you know, the fans just leave as you guys, you know, beat them, whatever, by a couple scores. So. 
I would say those two games in particular, that James Madison game in 06, and then when you guys upset Pitt um, that year were, were two uh, great ones to be at. Awesome, man. Hey, I got some ideas. Chat's got some ideas on how we can get some fans in the stands. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to link up at the MVR for a beer and see whose pocket we gotta pick to uh, get that done. But uh, got to make it. Yeah, happen. the best part about the the best part about the pick game is their their thing is they at the end of the third quarter they sing Sweet Caroline, right? So oh, yeah. Uh, so there were some fans. The student sections were like hanging out. End of the third quarter, they sing the song, and boom, we were up seventeen points. The stadium leaves at the beginning of the fourth <laughs> quarter, and we played. It was like playing in front of a YSU home crowd in the fourth quarter at Heinz Field. So that was definitely a special game for the program. Uh, All right, hey Mets. So um, you know, being from outside of Youngstown, uh, I always am fascinated by by people I've gotten to know over the years from Youngstown who were really born and raised there. Um, if you could talk a little bit, I know at least while I was at YSU, we had so many guys come in from Mooney. All you heard about was Mooney, Mooney, Mooney. Um, if you could talk a little bit more about Ursuline, I know Alan Jones was probably the biggest guy that we had coming out of Ursuline while we were there. Um, talk a little bit about Ursuline. What was that culture like? What is, what is that program? Are you still connected there? And, and what's the Holy War like with, I know we're not allowed to say Holy War anymore, but Holy War with Mooney. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, great question. So, you know, growing up, actually, before I really took an interest in, in, in college football, uh, I, I grew up loving high school football. My parents were, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like one of those Urson families. All four of my grandparents went there, my parents, their siblings, my brothers, a lot of cousins. And so, you know, Urson's always been, you know, an important part of my life. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was, it, it was a great place. And, you know, growing up, I was a soccer guy. I never played football. I was, I mean, you guys can see me. I'm not built to play football whatsoever. But, uh, you know, I had the opportunity my sophomore, I think, year. They were they needed a kicker. So, you know, they kind of recruited me off the football team or off the soccer team to, to, to kick and, you know, got to kick my junior year. And then my senior year, we had, you know, a, a great season. We, you know, played 15 weeks, went to the state championship game, ultimately lost. But just to have that ability you know, somebody who grew up watching Ursuline football all those years, uh, it meant a lot to me. And, and, you know, it was interesting. You know, I like to think our, our senior class, which, you know, my role as a kicker, I like to think was a, a very small part. I benefited off the success and everything else those guys did. Um, but, you know, even though we lost in the state championship game, I remember our head coach, who's Dan Reardon, who actually his son, Matthew Reardon, uh, just transferred in from Miami of Ohio this offseason. Um, He's a great wide receiver, a great kid, comes from a great family, and I have high expectations for him. But I remember him on the bus saying something to the effect of, like, you know, you guys set you know, the framework, but we're going to be back here next year. And sure enough, the, the next three years, those guys go to state, win it three straight years after that. Um, and things were really, really rolling at that point. Uh, you know, our coach Reardon, you know, he, he went off to Colorado for a few years. Then he came back to Ohio. He was at Canton McKinley. who's you know, a, a notorious power uh, for some time before coming back to Ursuline. So, you know, I'm still a little bit connected because I know a lot of those guys, a lot of the coaching staff that's there um, was there when I was there. But, you know, 
thinking of some guys from from when I was uh, at Urson. You know, Roland Smith was one of our guys, one of our coaches at Urson. He was at Urson for a long time prior to coming to Youngstown State. He, he was a great guy. You mentioned Alan Jones, you know, a, a great running back. He, he he had a hell of a year for us, you know, my senior year, and then, you know, the year after. Uh, Dale Peterman, I know, is another one mm-hmm. on the on the DB side. Uh, yeah, he was a hell of a player. And then prior to to, to you know, you guys, uh, Louis Arizari, who started at Ohio State and then transferred to, to Youngstown State, he was another one that I could think of over all those years um, who, who was at Youngstown State. But, you know, you ask about that holy war. Unfortunately, when I was there, we were we didn't have like any success whatsoever. You know, we were 0-4 against them, you know, for much of the 2000 era that they just completely dominated us. They had players galore and i'm sure dan you, you you know like you had you know marlo the mccarthy brothers you had uh beecham you know delicio you, you could uh venipole you could just go through the list they had player after player d1 you know power five caliber players and, and unfortunately they they took it to us for a number of years including my senior year um so but fortunately for now um you know the rivalries kind of turned in Urson's favor of late. I think we've won like five in a row in the series and things are going well there, but yeah, we didn't have much success against Mooney, but they, those guys were good. Um, you know, I remember growing up going to a lot of those Urson Mooney games and Mooney by and large was always the better program and, you know, always hoping for an upset and just Mooney always found a way to win. They would, you know, Dan would probably know that they would run that, that play on offense, you know, left and right, they'd run it down your throat, eat up the clock, and, you know, be, you know, the fourth quarter, and they would pretty much hold the ball the whole time, and you couldn't do anything about it. Um, so, unfortunately, again, when I was there, we didn't have any success against them, but things have uh, turned for the better now for my alma mater. Yeah, well, well Kurt, to help Yalo, the uh, Mets, uh, Kurt got it back on uh, Ray Venipole, I believe, the night we went <laughs> down the pit there and, and got him. So, and, and Ray was a heck of a player, obviously. But Donald and Marky B were Probably happy after, obviously happy after that game, but uh, yeah. Danny Reardon's a heck of a coach. Ursuline's rolling. My parents are Ursuline grads, so oh nice. There's a that's yeah. a cool cool to hear you talk about the culture and stuff there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Venipole. I guess real quick again, I was a kicker. Uh, they never taught me anything about tackling or anything like that. <laughs> you know, when I was at Ursuline, I remember you know Roland Smith. You know, he was a weight guy. He always focused on us. Mm-hmm. You know, just work on your legs. It's all we care about. And I remember I got two quick stories, uh, the, the first of which was, you know, Easter break or something like that. For some reason, I had this idea. Ah, let me go to the weight room. Not that, again, you guys could see. I, I benched with the freshmen uh, my senior year, just to give you an idea. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I'm over there, decided to start benching by myself for some reason. There's like nobody there. And I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I don't know what I have on the bar. And I hear uh, Roland Smith from across the room, he'd call me kick, kick. You need, you need help over there. I'm like, Oh no, I'm okay. And sure, <laughs> I wasn't okay. So I'm like dropping the weights left and right. So, uh, you know, I remember that. Um, I'm trying to remember the other short or oh, Venipal. So when it comes to tackling, you know, my tackling skills were horrific. I remember a game at Warren Harding, you know, our, our kick coverage wasn't the best. It, it, this guy comes right through a huge hole. You know, I'm with him. I could just throw my body at him. But, I, again, nobody taught me anything. So I try to do one of these. I end up on the ground. He ends up tiptoeing the sidelines. I hear the fireworks go off at Harding. You know, they <laughs> score. But my only, like, legitimate tackle, because you mentioned Benipol, was when we played Mooney. 
And I actually, because I learned from the Harding game, I like threw my body at him, and uh, yeah, that was like my only legitimate tackle. So I like to think I, I, I tackled a guy that played D one football. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, we all love Coach Roland Smith. He's the man. Yeah, he's a great guy. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on again. Congrats on the uh, bracket challenge. Uh, I know Cyril and I were close to beating you, but. Shame on us for thinking Montana would beat the Jackrabbits. I guess you were smart enough to pick the Jackrabbits is what made the difference. Um, love having you on. Love, you know, that you follow the show, whatnot. Uh, any last words or comments, whether it's for the uh, any Penguin football players listening to the show or the fan base or to anyone uh, at all? No, I, I guess, you know, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. And I want to thank you guys for really putting this podcast together. Um, yeah, I didn't mention, you know, I, I run that We Are Youngstown Twitter account and, and I follow, especially this past year, I've been trying to follow the, the media and some of these other markets in the Missouri Valley a lot closer. And, you know, one thing locally is we kind of have that, we're lacking that, that, that local sports talk aspect. I know Ron Potesta, you guys might be familiar with from the radio broadcast. He used to have a show, but in terms of local sports talk, there's, there's really not much there. And so you guys, I, I appreciate you guys putting this together because it kind of fills a void. And, you know, I, I, you know, North Dakota state, their, their media coverage is like that of, you know, a big 10 school. And, but, you know, there's the other teams I see who have these podcasts and I'm thought, thinking to myself, like, God, we need something. Cause you know, all, all I hear about all day is Ohio state, Ohio state, Ohio state. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to thank you guys for putting this together. We needed this. And I, I forget how I even came about, you know, coming across your guys' show, but I was thrilled when you, you put it on. So I know it takes a lot of time. I know I can tell it's Sal from uh, your, your emails leading up to this. You do put a lot of work in. I'm sure all you guys do with your prep. So I'm just grateful for that as a Penguin fan and as a Penguin supporter. Uh, keep up the great work. We appreciate it as, as you know, YSU fans in this YSU community. Thanks, Mike. And, and that, that's how we started that 22 crazy season where we had these miracle wins. I would be texting Cop or, or Kurt, and I was just thinking to myself, I got to listen to a podcast to like recap this to hear what everyone's saying. And we didn't have one. And I kept saying, We're doing one. We're doing one. And then finally, I said, Screw it. I don't know what we're doing, but we're going to record one show. This was in like June or May of last year. And it was like, you know, that, I got five good. minutes heads up. Yeah. Cop <laughs> was out that night. I said, Cyril, this is what we're doing. Do you want to join? He said, yeah, why not? And that's how he got involved. And we recorded. I was like, that's pretty good. Let's just post it. And then, you know, the feedback took off and the following star, just like you said, Mike, it was a, a void that uh, I'm glad we uh, we filled it. And I invite anyone else to do a podcast about Penguin football too to promote the program. It's we won't look at them as rivals at all. We look at it to the more that we talk about the program, the, the better off the program is. But thank you again, brother. And, yeah, and Mike, be, be ready there. because you know, I'm the old guy on this show. So it's either you or DJ Moss that are probably going to get brought in because <laughs> they're probably going to retire me. I'm, I'm getting old. I'm too old for viewers. So Cop, you're the, the ratings go down when I'm on. So this. be ready because you might be getting drafted. You just you just never know. I, I told my man Moss, man, I said, be ready. You just you just don't know. I mean, I was just glad I made it to Kurt's Hall of Fame. I mean, I, you know, when you're old like me, you just hope you could get a couple more in. So it was, man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Well, DK, you're the only one trying to retire yourself. 
Uh, I'm smart. Yeah, you you got to know when you, you got to know, you know, you got to know when you got to go. So oh, you and DJ got all the Youngstown connects between you, DJ and, and Mets. I think we got Youngstown on lock on having those yeah. connections there. So those who knows? I might be this... talking Mets and Mossman into a separate show. We'll be, we'll be gone. We'll be <laughs> wow. having a little, Dude, uh, no, Hey, no, that's hey, going to put us out. Compete. That's gonna... You can't do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's going to put us out of here with us, brother. Let's transition. Business there. <laughs> What are we transitioning to? We're going to be the next. Uh, we shut things down, just quick over to Kurt and Kyle. Uh, I don't know if you have any more news from the YouTube or anything from the Instagram to share before uh, we check out for the night. You talking to me? Kurt um, or, or we, Kyle? Yeah, so no, I'll well, give you a second to look. The only thing I got this week, guys, is I, I threw out the question just looking at the schedule that we have for 2024. Obviously, this is a topic for another time, and – and Mets, feel free to weigh in, man. But that schedule looks tough. They got some tough road games at some tough times. Uh, a lot of our viewers are thinking eight or nine wins is possible again. Um, I, I I think we max out at eight eight or nine wins, and, and we can make a run. But it's going to be a tough schedule in 2024, just looking ahead. Yeah. Um, so... Kurt, don't bring up the schedule and get me hey, grind that, my gears. My don't grind my gears like my IG a stuff going. Everybody's got eight or nine wins. I told you seven's mine, but we'll see. Dude, all right, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pre you know a little tease for the fans. I think six wins is likely. Ooh, so everyone Ooh. just y'all need to buckle up. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know the chat the chat's got the the stadium ideas where. Everyone wants cheaper tickets and cheap beer. So, Crum uh, wants different promotions. The promotions throughout the stadium have been the same for years. So he feels like those are a little stale. So uh, that's a good. Point. I don't know who this is. Is this uh, our boy uh, Rob? Call me. You got my number now, uh, Rob Schmidt. Um, <laughs> let's go over some promotions because we gotta get those babies updated. Um, once again, on Y-Town Penguin Podcast, I call it like I see it. I want fans in the stands. I want this program to succeed. And if you can't take constructive criticism, I'm sorry. And that's I what grinds it. Kyle's gears. And that's what grinds Sterling's gears. I love it. I love it. Hopefully they let me in the stadium when I come in. We, we, we are long like. overdue. We will be back all off season and recapping the 2023 as Mike kind of gave us a teaser of his thoughts. Uh, we will follow up and preview 2024. Uh, do have a lot of special guests lined up for the off season. If you'd like to be on the show and part of it and, and be a guest, we invite you, please reach out to our Instagram, White Town Penguin Podcast. Follow the Instagram and please interact with Kurt on his posts on that. But again, this is the Youngstown Penguin Football Podcast. Thank you again, Mike, Tim, and Alvy for joining us tonight. But thanks, Mike. Um, but that is Thank Kyle Stroll. That is Dan Kopp. That is Kurt Hess. And I am Sal Guardo signing off. Thank you again for listening to the Youngstown Penguin Football Podcast. And as always, go Penguins. <laughs>